Welcome to Unedited. Last time I was talking about the movie called Frankenstein Conquers the World. And uh, I said I was going to catch up with the sequel, which I had never seen before. The sequel is called The War of the Gargantuas. Um, it's a loose sequel in, in some ways, which I'll get into a little bit of detail afterwards. Um, my thoughts on the movie, it's it's okay. Um, I kind of found the story and the acting quite lacking. I thought there's not much substance to it beyond the kind of monsters fighting each other and the kind of uh, destruction caused by the monsters. I actually preferred Frankenstein Conquers the World more. Uh, that that movie had a little bit more heart and story to it. Um, although the opening of the War of the Gargantuas is is fantastic um there's like a fishing trawler which is attacked by a giant monster and then that giant monster gets attacked at the same time by a giant octopus uh which is kind of a cool cool scene unfortunately the the rest of the movie doesn't match up towards that uh the basic premise is that there is two monsters uh, kind of one good and one bad um, the good monster is kind of the original monster who's kind of um accident not on purposely not purposely gave birth to um the second monster which uh is kind of more destructive and has no kind of moral compass because the uh, original monster is actually supposed to be Frankenstein from Frankenstein conquers the world um, this is why it's kind of a loose sequel, because I, the version I watched was the American dub. So in the American dub, they don't really make any allusion to the previous movie. Uh, we do see flashbacks, although the flashbacks aren't from the original movie. Uh, what happens is that the design of the monster was changed, so... In Frankenstein Conquers the World, the monster is quite human-looking uh, as a boy and when it becomes like a full-size monster. But in The War of the Gargantuas, the, the look is quite different. It's more hairy and scaly. And when they flash back to kind of a scene when the monster is, is younger, uh, also the monster is kind of covered in hair completely all over his body and face so there's that kind of disconnect there um also in the american version they don't actually call the monster from the war of the gargantuas uh, frankenstein while in the japanese version they do um, also some of the cast are a little bit different so yeah for those reasons um there is kind of a disconnect between both of those movies and kind of the design the casting and also uh, the american version doesn't allude to uh, the events of the previous movie although we do still see the flashback but the the monster is not referred to as frankenstein so it's uh it's an okay movie um I think if you enjoyed Frankenstein Conquers the World, maybe it's it's worth um, completing that story, although it's not a satisfying uh, sequel. 
another movie I also watched recently was called Ethel and Ernest. Um, it's an animated movie based on the the graphic novel uh, by Raymond Briggs, who is kind of well known for The Snowman. Uh, it's a it's a nice kind of heartwarming and also sad story of a kind of a couple and their life together from when they met up until the events when they uh, leave this earth. The animation is is good. Sometimes it felt uh, a bit strange because some parts of the movie had kind of a CGI quality to it. I think more like the backgrounds sometimes looked a bit CGI, but it, the animation is, is kind of a 2D uh, style. Um, so it felt like a little bit uh, weird having those styles kind of mixed together. I mean, it's not like purposely done or it's not overly obvious, but it just seemed like some parts they were using CGI as like more of a cost cutting method or kind of easier way to animate some certain scenes. But if you, if you enjoy uh, Raymond Biggs style of uh, drawing his characters, uh, I think you'll enjoy this and um, the story itself is kind of based on the story of his parents' lives and uh, him growing up with them. And also he kind of appears in the movie as a child and growing up and going to university and uh, kind of meeting his wife also. I also watched a movie called Unhinged, which is a movie about a mother and a son being kind of... Uh, terrorized by uh, a road rage driver slash recent murderer um, who is played by Russell Crowe. Uh, I think Russell Crowe is quite suitable for this role as a road rage driver. As for the movie itself, I didn't feel there was uh, that much substance to it. There's, there's not much else to say about it. Uh, it's quite perfunctory movie it just uh does what it says on the tin it's just like something you might watch on netflix uh i i, I couldn't see any other uh, real merits beyond uh its its main concept uh i mean there's other better road rage movies out there like uh steven spielberg's jewel if you if you want to watch a good road rage movie Another movie I watched was The New Mutants. Um, for those of you who remember, this movie was, I think, is supposed to be released two years ago. Uh, it was also supposed to be set in the X-Men universe um, from 20th Century Fox. Uh, I I don't really get this movie. Uh, reading about it and all the kind of interviews and the, the lead up to its release it sounded like uh, this was a movie to kind of kickstart uh, a new trilogy or a new aspect of the X-Men franchise 
at the time before it was sold to Disney. But the, the movie feels very, very simple. Um, there's not, again, there's not much going on in it. Uh, you know, you, you can get away with not calling this the New Mutants at all. I think you could just call this movie anything. Um, it could just be about a bunch of teenagers with powers who are kind of in an institution because of um, certain emotional problems or problems related to their powers. You can even do it without them having any powers and you can just have the story kind of that way. It could be more like a psychological thing or kind of an inner demon, more like something related to their dreams and not so connected to reality. You could do it that way. But um, I, I, I can't imagine how could this movie be any kind of setup or leading to a, a sequel or a, or, or a planned trilogy. It's a very simple movie. Nothing really happens. I was quite bored throughout it. I was just waiting for it to finish, basically. Acting is fine. Um, but if, if you want to compare it to any of the previous X-Men movies that have been released, it's, it's really nowhere. It's just very... Like I said, simple movie, uh, seems low budget. Uh, I don't really get the idea behind it. If, if it had a more action scenes or a stronger connection to the X-Men universe, sure, yeah, okay. But um, as it is, it's, yeah, boring. Like I said, boring. I was bored. There is kind of some references to the X-Men universe, they do mention X-Men and they do uh, mention the Essex Corporation, um, which was seen kind of at the end of uh, Logan. Um, no, sorry, not at the end of Logan, at the end of uh, Apocalypse, where they're taking blood samples from uh, Wolverine, Logan. And there is like a slight 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 connection to Logan in the movie but um, beyond that it, it, there's nothing else and there's no other characters that are kind of named I, I don't think they they main any they name any of the other kind of uh, big characters from the X-Men universe uh, I think there was some rumors that um, John Hamm was supposed to be in this movie as Mr. Sinister, which would have been cool. That would have been something to elevate this movie beyond what it is. Uh, but yeah, it's not not worth watching. Uh, don't watch it at all. Even if you love the previous X-Men movies, this is, this is just not worth your time. Okay, lastly, I watched an old movie um, from the 80s. It's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, I think everyone listening to this have watched it by now. As you know, it's a good movie. It's entertaining movie. Uh, it's fresh and different. Uh, even when I watch it now, I feel, okay, that's different. It's not something you've seen before. Uh, I'm sure I know it has inspired 
many other movies are animated series because there's many fans of this movie but um out of the recent movies i've watched uh, it's probably the best most entertaining and uh, visually um, story-wise uh, it's funny uh, characters are still kind of cool it's fun uh, yeah i cannot say that about the new movements are unhinged or the world the gargantuous so yeah, that's 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 the movie I recommend out of everything I've watched. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And recently I've been listening to some Doctor Who audios by Big Finish. Uh, these Doctor Who audios are part of the Time Lord Victorious story, which is kind of a like multimedia platform based. Uh, storytelling adventure um they have comics novels um these audios and there's the animated daleks television show oh it's not really on television it's on youtube uh like uh those are all kind of tied into the same story i'm not really a big fan of these kind of um media spanning type of uh, stories as uh, the same with this the star wars high republic which kind of spans comics and novels and uh, maybe it seems to be a, a television series also um i'm just not going to have the time to get around to uh accessing and uh like reading the novels or the comics and the audios um i decided just to choose one and since i already listened to the big finish audios uh those were the ones i wanted to stick with i haven't really read any doctor who novels so um just like i said like these multimedia based ideas stories just don't appeal to me i'd rather they just choose one form of medium uh like either just do novels or just do comics or just do audios to tell the story but um i feel it's just kind of messy moving moving around from one form of media to the next and i'm sure for some people they they really uh enjoy it and they get a lot out of it but maybe other people they're not interested in the comics or they're not interested in the audios maybe they're only interested in the novels which does seem to hold the, the bulk of the story and my impression from the audios and from the animated dalek series is that these are kind of um stories that are kind of on the outskirts or they're kind of um the results of the bigger story which seems to take place in the novels so for me listening to these audios they felt very disconnected and uh, I, I kept wondering because it, it is titled doctor who time lord victorious where is time lord victorious and um, he's not really mentioned and you know there is some mystery something is going on the characters realize something is not right with time um but the main story isn't really addressed so 
for me, I didn't get much out of them. Um, the audios I listened to were Doctor Who, Time Lord Victorious. Uh, the first one is He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not. The Enemy of My Enemy was the second story. And then the third story was uh, Mutually Assured Destruction. These are audios that are featuring, featuring the eight Doctor, Paul McGann. Um, there is another one with the fourth Doctor, which I haven't listened to yet. And then there's a, like a, a vinyl release next year, which was which was due to be released this year. Um, on one side of the vinyl is Paul McGann, and the other side of the vinyl is uh, David Tennant doing the audio. Uh, again, another thing about these this kind of multimedia platform-based storytelling is that uh, yeah, I'm not too sure of the timeline also and what takes place before which. And yeah, also having the gaps in the story uh, can be confusing also. Uh, as for the audios I did listen to, they are okay. Uh, again, Paul McGann is always great in these audio adventures. Um, you could have easily dropped the Time Lord Victorious tag and just have them as kind of a a short trilogy of audio stories with the Doctor and the Daleks and uh, the Ood. I think it's Brian the Ood. I could be wrong. One Ood. I think his name is Brian. Uh, other audio series I listened to, which was a lot more anticipated uh, by myself and which one I was more excited for was the... Tenth Doctor and River Song audio series. Um, as most of you know, that the Tenth Doctor met River Song in a two-parter, and for most of us, that was their only meeting. Although other meetings are alluded to, although their, their timeline is mixed up, but it, it did seem like she had met the tenth doctor before because she recognized him although we never got uh, another story with the tenth doctor in river song yeah what came next was the eleventh doctor with matt smith and continuing river's story there so it was kind of exciting to delve into other stories between the tenth doctor and river song and i think uh, david tennant was fast fantastic in the audio uh, a little bit disappointed with this audio series um, for no like really good reason I it, it it's mainly because when I listened to it I I was kind of expecting to have the doctor and the river song that we knew from the original to Parker where they first met and where we first see River Song and Doctor Who. But the River Song in this one, in, in particular in, in the first episode and a little bit in the second episode, felt very much like the younger, more playful, um, more wicked river that we are kind of accustomed to from her later appearances and most certainly from 
the diary of river song where usually the doctor is always on his back foot and kind of river knows everything and always kind of has an upper hand against the doctor but again the river that we meet the first time is the river who was kind of matured and maybe had already spent uh, a lot of time with the doctor um, but maybe this second meeting with river for the tenth doctor is a younger version of her when she is more kind of devilish and playful and kind of um, having an upper hand against him um so that felt a bit weird maybe if, if it was again with, with matt smith doctor with the 11th doctor maybe i it would feel more familiar to her appearances in his episodes but and uh, the only appearance with the 10th doctor she was a little bit more dialed back and reserved but yeah when i think about it more uh, yeah probably it's because she uh, herself had matured as a person and she is uh, a little bit of an older character by that stage and had a lot more experience and a, a deeper relationship and bond with the doctor which probably could say made made her more mature um of the three audio stories in this series i thought the third story was quite fun and um, the river felt more familiar to uh, her first appearance when she met the 10th doctor um interesting that these audios were recorded in lockdown um but they sound fine to me they sound perfect you you wouldn't notice it uh, i listened to the kind of making of audio of this series as well and one interesting tidbit was that when alex kingston first uh, played river she had river's diary which is like the, the prop but actually in the diary itself it has many drawings and little stories about all her adventures with the the doctor over his different incarnations and apparently stephen moffat had plans he had already kind of planned out a story between the river and doctor and that um there was more to river than we were kind of led to believe in her first two appearances which i i found very interesting because uh, when she showed up in the matt smith era with the 11th doctor uh, i felt that they had created a mystery behind her like who is river song um but i i never got that impression before um with her first appearance it wasn't there wasn't a mystery behind who she was the mystery was that she had had a previous relationship with the doctor in his future and in her past and we never saw that and that was kind of the appealing thing and what they did in the 11 series was they 
they made it a question like, well, where did she come from? What is her connection to the doctor? Why would he tell her his real name? Um, I thought that was something that was kind of invented later in the mind of Stephen Moffat, but maybe, yeah, it, maybe he had other ideas before that. Um, maybe he was planning ahead way back when she first appeared. So I thought that's an interesting uh, aspect of the audio. A little uh, Easter egg that I thought was kind of fun to listen to. Last time I recommended a movie called Nowhere to Hide, which was a 1999 Korean movie. Um, why I recommend a movie is, again, maybe a little bit more like my previous recommendation, Doberman. Um, it's very much a movie about style and visuals compared to the story. Um, in particular, like the ending of this movie, there's an ending fight scene which is very reminiscent of the end fight scene of the Matrix revolutions between uh, Neo and Agent Smith. So I believe, well, I would be, I would be pretty sure that the, the Matrix revolutions was um, heavily inspired by the kind of the action of this final fight scene and the cinematography. It is a fight that. Um, happens in the rain and the two characters are running towards each other in slow motion and kind of striking each other in slow motion which is very much like how the fight between uh, Neo and Agent Smith started at the end of the Matrix Revolutions. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a murder mystery um, kind of basic story is to police officers trying to track down the murderer. I think he's kind of like a, a gangster murderer. Um, but like I said before, I, I recommend it mostly for the visuals, which I think a lot of people criticize it for. Um, but again, it's visuals that you hadn't seen in any other movie before then. And it, it, it was visuals that inspired other movies that came afterwards. I don't really have anything critical or anything bad to say about the movie. Um, like it, it came at a time when uh, Asian movies, in particular Japanese horror movies and Korean movies in general, were gaining popularity for their visuals and their story and their uniqueness compared to Western movies. Uh, taking it in that context, you know, it's what over 20 years ago. And I think maybe now to watch today, it's not as uh, stimulating or as interesting or as captivating as it might have been back then. But when I first watched it, I, I thought it was a good movie. I, I enjoyed the acting and the direction and it did feel very uh, fresh and new to me at the time. Uh, I think when it was released, it was the second highest grossing movie um, for that year in, at uh, South Korean movie theaters. Uh, yeah, so like, check it out. Um, 
I don't notice it getting talked about much these days. Um, I think if you're a Matrix fan and you're kind of interested in the the origin of some of the fights and uh, the visuals in those movies, I think um, it's fun to trace back uh, where some of those inspirations came from. So yeah, definitely check out Nowhere to Hide. Uh, I don't have any recommendation for next time. There are lots of movies I'm going, I can recommend, but um, yeah, sometimes I forget what I recommended from before. So I have to kind of listen to my previous podcast and see what, what was I talking about. Um, so I think what I'll do in future is I'll maybe recommend a movie and maybe talk a little bit about it. But um, I, I won't leave it until the next week to to go into further detail. I think I'll just talk about it at that time because I'm forgetting about it each time. And yeah, if there's something I'm really passionate about or something I'm just that's been on my mind to recommend or something I've just been thinking about that I haven't been thinking about recently. Yeah, definitely I'll uh, recommend it. So uh, everyone take care, uh, especially at this time. Um, hope your, your week and your month and the end of your year is going better than it usually does for most of this year. Um, yeah, stay safe.